last week we did have, we had Sean and we had Lighthouse Ministries, um, and wasn't that awesome? It was, it was phenomenal. It's, it's awesome to see um, how people are being loved in our community. And I, I just, I love Sean. I love his heart. I love um, everything that I've been hearing about this ministry, the, the fact that they're growing um, to meet more and more need is awesome. The fact they do, they do um, uh, medical um, for people that can't afford it, um, the fact that they do, um, they do extractions for people that need that, uh, for dental, so they have dental going on. Um, I mean, we all know how expensive insurance can be. <laughs> Thank you, DC. Um, those guys don't, don't really, they're not really on our, our same medical stuff, are they? Are they? No, no. Can we just send some letters? Um, talk about tar and feathering. Let's, um, sorry. Um, I, I kept thinking about a couple things. There was, there was a, a really awesome um, uh, verse that he was sharing from, I think it was from James, and that, that really stood out to me. Um, but there's a, a chapter that just has been rattling around in my head ever since. And um, there's a few really, really good things in here. There's the, um, you know, uh, remember those in prison, um, as though you were in prison with them. Um, you know, uh, the whole idea of um, uh, keeping from the, that life free from the love of money um, and be content with what you have, um, for I will never leave you or forsake you. We've also got in, in, in chapter 13, um, verse 8 is the, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, I think God has to continue to remind us that, that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but we're not. <laughs> we're constantly needing that change in our life. Um, change is, is, is like, um, it, it's a five-letter, four-letter word. Um, we, really, we really love um, that word change, right? Any, anybody love that, that word? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, but how good it is for us, right? Because we're being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Constantly being changed into that, um, that likeness that even people like Gandhi was like, Jesus, I love. I don't know about his followers, though. <laughs> but we're constantly being changed. Um, you know, there's... there's uh, there's also, there's verses about leadership um, and about remembering your leaders um, and, and, and praying for them. And I'm so thankful because Kelly and I both feel um, the prayers um, that you guys have for us. And it is, it's interesting how that's so needed. <laughs> but I, I think it goes beyond just the leader, the, the, the leader, or as Jerry calls me, he's like, you're the man, you know. Um, <laughs> And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can feel like that, be the man. It's, um, anyway, but the, 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 uh, I think that praying for our leaders, there, there are leaders in your life, people that may have already gone to be with Jesus. They're still your leaders, right? Things that they did in your life, they've led you well. They've loved you well. Maybe there are people that are, that are family that have loved you and led you well. Um, there are leaders um, all over, leaders that you read. You know, it says leaders are, are readers. Well, I think sometimes leaders become books too because there are books that we read that, that lead us toward the heart of God. Um, but this, this, uh, this chapter, I'd encourage you maybe this week to pull out Hebrews chapter 13, and just kind of chew on it a little bit like I've done in this last week. And, um, but there was something right at the beginning that stuck out the most when, when Sean was talking. It was, um, it's the first verse of it, and it says, um, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Um, you know, I, I, we're, not, we're not worshipers of, of angels, um, and I, I hope I'm not disappointing anybody. Um, but there is something about um, entertaining strangers. There's something about loving people that are not just the, the, the friendly faces that you know. You know, Kelly talking about all these weird, strange faces. When you meet new people, don't they, they, they kind of look a little strange. You kind of like, 
trying to place them, and, but you're not because you don't know them. But maybe they, they look like somebody that you know or they have mannerisms like somebody you know. And, and so there's a little bit of something that we can grab onto and gravitate towards as we learn to love the stranger. Anyway, so that was just um, kind of kicking that around all week. I wanted to get that out of my head. And, uh, but th- this morning, I wanted to continue in our, our series on greater than. Um, greater than, we're doing a series out of Colossians. Um, and Colossians is um, a lot about, um, about how Jesus is greater than this preeminence we've talked about. This, he's first of all creation. He's the first, and because He is first, we are loved, we are brought into a family that we can never be taken from. This morning, our, um, our, our, our title is, Jesus is Proof of Life. I thought about it afterwards, it probably would have been better like Jesus with an equal sign, because we've been doing like greater than sign. So Jesus equals proof of life. Um, and this morning, um, after thinking about um, the James... Uh, verse that, that he was talking about, um, uh, Sean, last week with Lighthouse Ministry, he said, James uh, 2, 14 through 20, what, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if we, you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can the kind, that kind of faith um, save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But you don't give that person any food or clothing. Um, what good does it do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may, may argue, um, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is, is one God. Good, for, good to you. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, um, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see the faith that faith without good deeds is useless? It's kind of hard to hear, right? A little bit. It's like, wait a second. That was all grace. That was all grace. Okay. Um, well, here's a way we can kind of see. Uh, we can see the, the, the lies. We can see past the lies of, of, people will say like the lies of the enemy, the lies of Satan. Um, I think just, just lies in general because we have lies of man and women and spouses and kids. So we can't just blame it on some nameless, faithless, faithless thing. I, I think it's just lies in itself. But the way we can look past these lies in the world is Matthew 7, um, 15 through 17 says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless um, sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles or cherries from a cactus? No. Um, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Pretty simple, right? So we can see um, the fruit of a person that's lying. We can see the fruit of someone's character. And what does this work, this fruit, this, this, um, these good deeds, what, is it, what do they look like? How can we live this out? Our big idea this morning is fruit is the evidence of our love. Super simple. So if you're here to get one thing this morning, okay, before you nod, maybe take a little nap, fruit is the evidence of our love. That's it. Let's pray for um, God's revelation this morning as we get into His Word. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that um, you have given us this word. You've given us this word that we can, we can learn from, that we can, uh, we can hear your voice from, we can learn from. God, guide our, our steps with your word. Unpack it this week, even beyond what the message is saying, um, God, but unpack it in our hearts that we might know the truth, that we might see past lies, and that we might do good works for you in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm, 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 
I'm going to be reading out of Colossians, but I'm kind of just hitting one section of Colossians. And this is, this is a section that we've read before, um, and I'm going to probably read it again and again um, over the next year or two or more. Uh, but at Colossians 1, 9 through um, 12, this is the, in the New Living Translation. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. Now, this section, if we kind of break it down a little bit, um, Paul, obviously the author, but he's, he's saying a couple things here. He's, he's speaking a couple things, and the, there's just a, a few things I wanted to, um, to put a point to. Paul's praying for, for this full, fullness of knowledge to overcome false teaching. Um, we, we know that that's one of the things that, that, that's um, probably coming up against the Colossian church. Um, it can always be coming up against the church. So it's, it's relevant today, but um, he, he's praying for that fullness of knowledge that we can overcome that false teaching, that we can see past it. Um, the second thing is the, the believer is to live a life pleasing to God that produces fruit. There needs to be fruit that comes out of this relationship with Jesus. There will be fruit that comes out of this relationship with Jesus, but he's praying for that. The third thing, Paul continues to pray for their wisdom and knowledge. So this wisdom and knowledge is very important to get us past this false teaching and to strengthen us for endurance, to strengthen us for that long haul. Anybody falling asleep yet? We got past that, that, that um, big idea and a few people are like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fourth one is um, there's a joy and a gratitude um, to be people of light. So there's a fruit and there's a joy that comes with being people of the light. Um, think about this. Okay, so light. What is the primary purpose of light? Oh, a little louder, a little louder. Anybody? To see. Can we, can we agree that it, it illuminates? Okay. Illuminates, I, I, I love Mary was throwing out that it, it, it what, say that again? To dispel darkness. And for people like myself, dispel, to push back, to maybe even eradicate darkness. Because where there is light, there isn't darkness. There's shadows, but that comes from the light being cast outward. Um, so there's a sense that if we are people of light, then we should be people that illuminate for others. Okay. Um, there are, have you ever heard of um, the concept of proof of life? You ever heard of the concept of proof of life? Anybody? A couple nods? Yeah. Okay. So let's um, look at this. Columbia. Probably not a place that you want to walk around as an American by yourself um, with your wallet out, um, a sign on you that says, I'm the CEO of some company, um, because most likely you will be abducted and ransomed. It's like the, the number one capital of the world for, for abductions. Um, there's a few others that are in contention, so it kind of goes... I don't know if I'd want to compete for that role, but um, people will get abducted, they'll get ransomed, um, ransom demands back to the State Department. Um, but what they do when they have this person, to prove that they have them, they do what's called a proof of life. And so they take a picture of them with like a, a newspaper from where they're at. That's the most current one they possibly could get. So at least up to that date, they know that that person was alive. Proof of life. So we got the concept? Okay, so there are, there are three proofs of life that I'd like to talk about this morning for us as believers. Um, these, are, these are proofs that, that we are walking in the light, that we are following after Jesus, and we're doing what He said. Pretty simple. The first one is this. 
Your light will cause others to worship. Your light will cause others to worship. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they will see, may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Now, this doesn't mean that they're necessarily um, going to believe what we believe. It doesn't mean that they suddenly are going, you know, that you do something in the light, that you do this good work, and suddenly they're going, Jesus, let me tell you about him. You know you know what I'm saying? It, it, that's, that's not what they're talking about. There's a, there's a sense of when we do what we're supposed to do in the light, people around us will go, what is that in them? Wow. And they may applaud us, but we know who the author of that work was. So in a way, they're worshiping God and not even knowing it. Because they're seeing the fruit in our lives. And that fruit is impacting them enough to say, I like that. Or even better, I want that. God is considered to be light. We see that in Scripture, right? So in a way, God is dispelling darkness, pushing back darkness for everyone. And it's an absence of darkness that is in that light. No other light compares, because these lights are going to cast shadows as well, because that light is going to come up against something that is going to cast a shadow, whereas the light that is God is perfect. There's a fullness of love. Um, how we love others is not, um, is not something that we can hide. How many hear that? How we love people it's not something you can hide. You can try, but people will see it in your character. They see it in who you are. Because if you're not a really loving person, do you think you can hide that? It's really the, the way that we love or how we love that we cannot hide. If we are very loving people, it's very evident. If we're not so loving of a person, it's very evident especially on freeways <laughs> or in the grocery store with a cart. You ever had that? Going around the corner, get out of my way. Those people, I can't believe. It shows our character. It shows in our dealings and how we deal with people in business, how we deal with people just on the road, on the street, how we deal with what we think of people. Stuff comes out of here. You know, this, this orifice that both fresh water and salt water come out of, right? Or should I say good words or bad words? And I'm not talking about like those four-letter words. I'm talking about, although hiking could be, that's hike, that's a four. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring it in. I, I had a hike with some of the guys this week, and it was awesome. And um, I was trying to keep up with these guys. They're pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Did a little historical tour of the of Steens, um, and going through all of the, like the Wellington disaster and hiking over to Windy Point, Windy Windy Pass. That was a lot of fun. Just trying to keep up with um, Kyle over there. That guy is like, he's a mountain goat. <laughs> I love him though. Anyway, I I got off on that, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, not just. Not just talking, um, you know, tongue-in-cheek about, like, four-letter words. I, I'm talking about we can say things that are bad. We can say things about people that are bad. We may not really think about it, um, but there's a lot of times we're saying stuff that's gossip. You ever had that? You ever realized that? We could say something, oh, her hair. Oh. Bless her heart. Um, you know, and, and a really good litmus test for gossip is if you're not a part of the problem or the solution, it's gossip. If you're not a part of the situation, it's gossip. If you're not a part of their fashion sense, it's gossip. Just saying. So, so anything about my hair? <laughs> take it to, um, take it to uh, Nancy Damore. Um, she suggested to the lady I went to, so it's all her fault. <laughs> Just kidding. I love it. I love it. It's a summer dew. It's like nice and cool. I'll probably sunburn. 
because that's all I do. Okay, I got way offline here. Um, First Colossians, we, I just read it um, in, in the um, English Standard Version. Another way to look at it says, um, So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is, this is that walk that we hear about. You know, I, you know, are you living the walk? Are you walking the walk? All of that, you know, that comes from someplace. You know, that comes from a Jewish tradition. Um, there's a Jewish tradition, uh, uh, an oral tradition it started as, um, um, halak. It started as this, this oral tradition of how you conduct yourself. And it became this written, um, this written uh, tradition that um, was the halakha. And it, um, it, it may include some of the practices in the Talmud um, and, and other writings um, that just kept getting... <laughs> larger and larger and lar- like, like chewing on a piece of fat from a steak. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, um, and I think Paul was kind of telling people they need to spit it out because the way that we conduct ourselves is ultimately following a line if we come to one place. We come to the Great Commission, the great, uh, greatest commandment, sorry, greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord our God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as ourself. If we get to that place, a lot of our behavior will fall in line behind that, and we will be following after Jesus. Can I get an amen on that, please? Okay, just making sure. You know. Amen is a pastor speak for, are you still awake? Do I need to end quickly? Um, but there's this, this idea that Paul was calling believers to walk, this halakha, but to walk fully pleasing to Jesus Christ fully pleasing to Him and Him alone. So this, this light or, or love or work that we're, or, or, or character that we are to display or to, to put out into this world is to reflect the love of God, to reflect into this world in both tangible ways and intangible ways this love for God. This, this trying to seek after and please God um, and to cause people to glorify God because of it. Our second proof of life is that His grace is expressed through your work. That's a huge responsibility, isn't it? That the fact that, that His grace is, is displayed into our lives, but then it's also expressed through our lives to other people. And if we're stopping that up by not loving other people, then we're stopping the work of God. We're called to love the unlovable. Do you know this? Called to love the unlovable. You know why? Let's get away from all the theology. Do you you know why we're called to love the unlovable? Yes. Because we're all unlovable. I mean, it says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, every single one of us has fallen short. And yet, he calls us and says, hey, I used to call you a slave, but now I call you a friend. Love them because I loved you. How awesome is that? It's not just about rules and, and regulations and not being able to wear your hat or having to wear shoes. What, whatever it is, it's not about that. It's not about how the pastor wears his hair. Come on. Come on. Give me an amen on that one, please. I need it. I need it. But it's also not about how the kids look this, these days. How they wear their hair with that green and blue and purple all mixed together. You know what? We were troublemakers too when we were kids, right? I'm, I'm thinking about your guys' generation. You guys were, there, there was flip-flop wearing, which we still have that, and that's okay. I, I like flip-flops, so don't get me wrong. Long hair on the guys. There were some earrings too. Come on. <laughs> Not in everybody. 
But the thing is, is those things are not the person that we're to love. And they're not the reason we are to love. And in fact, we should love those people even if they don't change those things. Because he loves them. Because God loved him so much that he sent his one and only son to die on all of our behalf. Man, people could come in, cut off shorts, crazy wild hair, a little, little like tattoo on their face, like, like what, what's his name? With the, um, Mike Tyson, thank you. And we'll love him because that's what this is all about. I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but because I'm a musician and I know a lot of you are musicians, but you know what? If rap music gets somebody there, praise Jesus for rap music. That's the last time I'm ever going to say that. I'm just saying. I didn't say country. Okay, come on. I have standards. Come on. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding, totally kidding. Not kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, there's this constant tension between grace and works. We see it in Scripture. There's this tension. I mean, it seems like Paul and James and a few others are just like, they're just taking pot shots at each other. Like, works, uh, grace, and it's like something from West Side Story or something, you know. And there's that tension. But I, you know what? I, I don't think that tension is a bad thing. There is so much tension in the Scripture. There is so much tension where it seems like these two things are totally contrary, yet they, how do they fit together? And they call it a paradoxical relationship where there's two things that seem like they're contrary, but yet they work together. My Bible is full of it. I don't know about yours. But there are areas where I'm like, you've got to wrestle with it. Grace, oh, his grace is sufficient, yet grace without works is dead. What? How does that work together? But faith without works. Yes. Sorry, grace without, faith without works. But yet, there's this tension. There's these things that are working together in this paradoxical relationship. And I think that ultimately grace is going to win. I mean, it, it says it in the word. The grace wins out. Yet the proof of life in a believer is what we do. Don't just listen to the word. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. I mean, I could sit here and yell at the top of my lungs, which I kind of am, and I'm sorry for yelling in your ears. Not sorry. Um, but that it's so hard as a believer to get past the just hearing and receiving and soaking to the place of living. Are you hearing me? Just sitting and soaking is not living. Again, sauerkraut Christians. We don't want to be sauerkraut Christians. That's what happens when you sit and soak and sour. We don't want to be that. We want to be alive. We want, to, we want people to see our good works and glorify God. Even if they don't know Jesus' name, we want, to, want people to just look at us and go, wow, they're different than the rest of the world. Instead of looking at us and going, wow, they're different than the rest of the world. Do you know what I mean? It, it seems like Christians have become known more for what we're against than what we're about. And I think the Holy Spirit's done with that. I think God is done with that in us. Because if we sit here and, and, and just scream these things from the top of our, our rooftops, these almost political statements, these political things, but yet we do not have love. Anybody? Sounding brass. I mean, no offense to people with brass, but I don't know if you've ever stood in front of like cymbals and had somebody hit one of those puppies. Tone deaf for about a week. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, um, such a, such a good, good place to go for this tension. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a, the gift of God, not a result of works, so it's not the works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, okay, there's works again, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, it's not about the works, yet we were created for the works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So anybody that says that it's not about the works doesn't have the whole truth. I didn't say it was the only truth. It's not the whole truth. Grace and works are going to go hand in hand. The free gift of grace is, this, is the focus of our salvation. Yes, that grace is about salvation. It's about coming to Jesus Christ. Yet, the working out of our faith gives such evidence of that salvation, that grace, that salvation and works are inextricably linked. I don't think you can take them apart without destroying what that work of grace has done in us, or at least bottling it up, damming it up in our life. Who wants to dam up what the Holy Spirit can do in us? Nobody. I would almost say that this paradoxical relationship is, a, is the most powerful part of being a part of that walk. That it's constantly in this tension constantly in this place where, where it, it works. Okay, no, no, it, it's grace. No, no, it works. Because if you're in this little walking place, you're moving. You're moving. And you're talking to people. What do you, what do you think about this? Does it work? Grace? What, what, what do you think? And you start moving into people's lives and you start talking to them and you start getting closer and closer to relationship with people and they start seeing you and all your warts and all the things that you're messed up with. But then they see your love and they go, that is beyond what I'm seeing externally. Who wants that? Anybody? Would you get in that line? If somebody said, you know what, we're passing out this grace of works and we're going to just get you out here and you're going to be out here and show life, this proof of life to people and people are going to be changed and the Holy Spirit's going to move in their lives and your lives and everybody else's lives. And I mean, I'd get in that line. I'd get in that line and start going, hey, everybody else, come on. But what we're dishing out sometimes in the church, and I'm talking about the big C church, the church out lar at large, the one that we see on the TV, way too much. We see in politics, way too much. Are you hearing me, people? Because if God had a candidate, he would come down and announce it to his church, this is my candidate. It would not be somebody on TV going, hey, give to our, our online church here, and hey, here's our candidate for president or for Congress, or for fill-in-the-blank, librarian. If that's hurting anybody's feelings, good. Um, because politics does not, does not belong in what the Holy Spirit is doing in our world. It belongs to the God of all creation. It belongs to... Our God, the people that are chosen, he's not surprised. And in fact, he loves each and every one of them. He loves those little quirks that Bush had, you know? <laughs> Way he would say stuff, you know, pronounce stuff. He loves Obama. He loves Trump. And I know I just, I just kind of stepped out there a little bit on a couple of you, hopefully all of you a little bit. Love is what it's all about. Love will win the day. His grace, our love. The last proof of life, his love through us too, yes, yes, amen. Thank you for that correction. That's an admonishing correction, and it's a good thing. And I love, I love you, John. Um, the last proof of life is this. Love for others is the fruit that Jesus desires in you. If there's only one fruit that comes out of us, it should be love. Not complaining. Not anything else along those lines. But love. 
Because all of that fruit is, is, is like, like the difference between cherries anywhere else and the cherries here. I mean, when you've got cherries that are almost as big as your fist, I'm exaggerating, but seriously, um, and cherries that you really have to cut yourself off from, I've learned personally. I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> in John 15, um, Jesus says that no... Uh, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And just before he, he tells um, us this, he, he's telling us about the greatest commandment, that, lo- that we should love the Lord our God with everything that we are, and we should love the, na- the neighbors around us as ourselves. Now, here, here's the thing that I want to ask, and I've got to ask a few questions here. Who did Jesus lay down his life for? This is not a quiet church. Come on. I heard you before my message. You're not quiet. Who is Jesus laying down his life for? Okay, I got got a little. Who? Okay, so I'm I'm getting a little bit into Simon Says Church. That's not, I'm I'm sorry. But who who did he consider his friends? Oh, that one's a little bit harder, isn't it? Who did he consider his friends? Huh? Everyone that does his will. That's really good, Tom. So it kind of ratchets up a little bit. What is our work? Kyle, I just love you, man. I love you. I think I just hear your voice really well. But what is our work again? What is our work again? Somebody threw that other one out there. Sid? To love everybody. Everyone. Who is everyone for us? Everyone around us. Even those people that make you feel uncomfortable? You can still show love to them as you're crossing the street. Or, and I'm just, I, no, 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 no. That's not showing love. Who are we to love? Everyone. Remember that the word of God um, that has been spoken to us, this, this word, this, this um, prophetic word out of his scripture, I felt like when I, when I first met you all, when I first came to this church, before we even knew we were coming here, last August, almost a year ago, this word was rattling around in my head, and it, and it um, I've been reading it in different versions, and ultimately, um, I love how it's said in, in um, the message, but we pray that you, you'll live well for the Master, making Him proud of you as you work hard in His orchard. So, orchard speaks to us. It speaks to where we're at. It speaks to this area. But wh- where is our orchard? Is, is it right here? Is it in here? It's all around us. So yes, it is in here. Is it outside these walls? Is it outside our comfort zones? Mm-hmm. Probably where we should be the most. Because this is easy. Do you notice how easy it is to just get in a conversation with somebody that you, you've known for a few years? How easy is it to get in those conversations? But yet, the conversations where the work, where the love really is going to start, I mean, you're going to see dividends just rolling in. This is like, this is like pulling out one-armed bandit and just everything comes out of the machine kind of dividends. This is, you know what, retirement couldn't even touch the kind of dividends that happen when you do that kind of work in people's lives, when you love them. And loving them does not, and I'm going to say this as a pastor, and I, please forgive me. Um, loving them does not mean you have to get them in the church at all costs so they can listen to some talking head up here. 
that's great, and that's part of being a part of the body. It's a part of celebrating what God has done and is doing and is going to do. It's great to see others that are, are living this life, but you know what? The love that happens out there, I would almost venture to guess, is more important to perpetuating what happens in here How you love people out there reflects better on the character of the church than how we love everyone in here. Because this is easy. That's hard. And I'm just, I, I feel like, let me get off my soapbox. Sorry, I stepped down from that. I'm speaking to myself too. It's hard to talk to people that you don't know at first. But think about it. I mean, I went up with, with some guys that I kind of know a little bit on a hike for most of the day. And, and I feel like, okay, that was a great extension of church, but it really wasn't church. It was us being church, yes, but it was also us just having fun together. And suddenly I'm getting history from these guys that I wouldn't have gotten had I not done that. But then, like, take it a step further put together a hiking group that might have a couple of your church friends, but may have some people from, I don't know, tattoo parlor across the street or people down the road that, that might want to do that as well. You know, somebody from work, somebody from your friend's work. And suddenly you're learning more about people that are just, they're not in the same circles that you are, but yet you start bringing your circles together. It's so good. How is the world going to best identify us? How is the world going to identify Foothills Foursquare Church? Because you know that in some respects, we're a little bit invisible right now. Did you know that? There are people that drive by here. There, uh, we, we, uh, a friend of mine is the pastor at Crossroads, um, and he actually checked with the city about, because they're, they're up on Chelan, and he checked with the city about these two roads, Chelan and Mission, and, and how many people travel those roads every day? 40,000 people to and from on those two roads. 40,000 people. And 90% of the people that I talked to when, when I moved here would ask me where I'm a pastor at, and I'd say Foothills. And they're like, where? And I'm, and I'm speaking some, some hard things, but I, I'm speaking hard things because it's truth. Because it needs to be spoken to go forward. It needs to be spoken in the sense that how are they going to identify us? By our sign? We could tear that sign down, not advertise where our address is, but if we're loving people, they're going to show up and be a part of life with us because we're being a part of life with them. Are there people in your lives that, that their kids go and do sporting events, that you could go and cheer them on? Are there people in your lives where you could take their kids for a little while so they could just breathe for a moment? Not just family, but that's good. Don't, don't discount that. But there are people in your life, I know there are people in your lives that you could somehow love and they're going to identify our church differently. Because when you get into life, you, they'll be like, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to church. Where at? Foothills. Okay, suddenly that's just in the conversation. doesn't mean that they're going to come, but suddenly they're going, huh, that's why they're different. Not because they identify us with, with those people that... that um, shout that Christians' political views are one way or the other from the loudest platform they possibly can because, again, my king, my president, my leader is not of this earth. My home is not of this earth. I'm just here passing through. If we comment about new fashion trends, that's not how we're going to be identified. If we comment about, about how people talk, 
Because there's, there, there's, really, there's new lingo, isn't there? I mean, even on, on devices and stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm getting lost in some of the things that kids say and how they say things and how they abbreviate things and how they're, they can't really talk face-to-face anymore. They can only t- talk by technology. And it's frustrating, right? But here's the thing. You want to still have an impact on the youth of today? We've got to learn it. We've got to speak their tech. Dang, that stinks. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, it's some, maybe we have to have a class on, on, maybe we need to sit down and have some of the kids teach us some of the things that technology, that people do to connect on technology today just so that we can connect with people and show them our love. And do it poorly. I mean, we'll, we'll, they'll be like, okay, this person's, this person's not a teenager. Um... <laughs> But I like them. Because tech people, they still need, they need our love. They need God's love through us. But our first place to go is like, I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm. I'm not gonna. They're going to learn how to do it the old-fashioned way, face-to-face. Well, yes, they do. But how are they going to get to that place where they can do it? We got to go get them. We got to go after that. And you know, it's, it, it, we have a youth group that's starting up, and it's great. It's awesome to see these kids just kind of like, uh, where is that? Now, if you tell them to bring a tablet or a phone and you say, hey, just search Ephesians 2, blah, 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 they'll put it in and they'll find it. But if you give them a Bible, they don't even know how to use it. That's on us. That's on our generation as a whole. And we've got to get past that. Okay, so I'm not just going to pick on you all today. This, is, this, this was feeling a little bit like I'm picking, but I really feel like God's been speaking this. And let me read that again. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. Hard work doesn't end. The hard work doesn't end because they will know you by your love. And love is hard. Anybody been married any length of time? Yeah, a little bit? I only got a few hands. None of them were the guys. Did you notice that? <laughs> love is hard. But here's the thing. The good news about that. Love is hard, but love is so worth it. It is so worth it. We're here to, we're going to make, um, we're going to make God proud of us if we work at this love. If, if, we, if we work at this love of loving people that to us seem unlovable. But understand that to, to God, we were all unlovable. If you can get to that place, that person with the blue hair, that, that person that doesn't talk like I do or look like I do or, or sound like I do, thank God, um, becomes more worthy of that love, don't they? Because God loved them first, loved us first. Why don't you set your things aside? Greater love has no one. And if you lay down that, your life for a friend. But yet Jesus laid down his life for everyone, even those that were nailing him to the cross. He laid down his life for that. How awesome of love is that? And he laid down his life. Now, what I'm asking about, about us working hard in his, his, his orchard, his vineyard, his, his Wenatchee, is so much easier than, isn't it? Can you talk to some young people on Snapchat? Maybe not right now. 
may not even know what Snapchat is. That's okay. But the thing is, is if you try to find out ways to connect with somebody that's in your life that you're thinking about right now, I know there's a few of you going, actually, there's that one kid, that one guy, that one young lady, or, or somebody else your own age. It doesn't have to be. Or somebody older than you. God loved every single one of them. And he went out of his way to love them. And that's all he's calling us to do. Go out of your way. Can we do that? Can we do that, church? Okay. Well, let's pray for that this morning. Let's pray that he can lead us in those conversations. This is a dangerous prayer because if we pray this and we say yes and amen to it, you're praying for uncomfortable situations. You're praying for those situations where you're going you're gonna to step outside of yourself a bit. You're going you're gonna to talk to somebody that may not look like you, may not act like you, may not talk like you, may not talk more than this. But it's worth it. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and, and we want to pray that dangerous prayer. Lord, send us. Send us to love those that, uh, that have been deemed unlovable. That's all of us. But God, you loved us. And so through your love, your grace, your, your love of us, we want to step out in that dangerous prayer of loving others, loving people that just, that just need to hear the same message that, that they matter to your heart, God. Help us to do this. Help us to, to get into those conversations. Put us in the right path of, of people that need to hear from you. And help us to open our mouths. Because <laughs> that's the hardest part. Open our ears to listen to their lives. And just be neighbors. We praise you. We thank you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I still want to do this. We've been... We've been doing this a bit this year, and um, I think it's still important to, um, for those people that, that may not have realized this relationship, may not have gotten into this relationship um, with Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about it or the thousandth time, but you've never really committed to that relationship. I want to give an opportunity for, for you. If, if that is you, I just want to do a simple thing, and we'll we'll. Um, pray all together if this is you, but um, first I want to just give you the opportunity to acknowledge it.